Welcome to A Friend of Mine, a series of conversations with some incredible and inspiring women in business from regional and rural Australia. I'm Kimberly Finesse, your host and the founder and editor of Oak Magazine, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some amazing female entrepreneurs who will share with you their experience and knowledge of what it takes to start, grow and scale a successful business. So let me introduce you to a friend of mine. This very special episode was recorded live for our In Conversation event with Laura Hall, held online to celebrate Rural Women's Day. Hatmaker Laura and her label Philly both hit their stride after moving to Scone in country New South Wales. Despite only being in business for two years, Laura has attracted an impressive celebrity following, including Delta Goodrum, Matt Damon and Chris Hemsworth's wife, Elsa Pataki. Laura shares with us her personal connection to hats, her celebrity start at Bondi and Paddington Markets, the advantages of running Philly from Scone, providing job opportunities for a local community, what it feels like to see oneself on the cover of a magazine, as well as some fabulous questions from our online audience. Meet my friend Laura from Philly. Firstly, thank you for joining us on Rural Women's Day. I know there are so many events, so I, I really do appreciate if you've taken the time out to join us live. And I don't know, it's almost like a micro launch of, um, of Issue 10. So, you know, COVID world, we still need to do these Zoom things. I would love to have an in-person one. It's just not going to happen. But the best part is I am joined by our very, very special guest, who is just over my shoulder here as well. Um, Laura Hall from Philly. Laura, welcome. Thank you, Kimberly. This is so exciting. This is fantastic. If we can't celebrate in person, we will have a virtual magazine launch party. So today is just such a treat. An international, yeah, international rural women's day. I just think that we're just we're ticking every single exciting box of the reasons to be able to catch up. So thank you. And I must admit, it's been great to open up Instagram this morning and see so many people post about it as well. And, you know, it's on the radio, mm. it's in the print newspaper. Um, I think that's really good that it is getting, you know, I suppose the attraction and the attention that, you know, your other days do as well. So, you know, it's always good when we can push rural women into the spotlight and obviously amplify their voices and, and tell their stories. Absolutely. I mean, I think that it's certainly a great day to be celebrated. There are a number of challenges um, as well as, you know, exciting opportunities that come from living in the bush. And I think just today is certainly a day to really recognise some of the obstacles that we overcome wherever Mm. we might be outside of Metro, you know, from not having, um, you know, a working internet connection to having to wait a little bit longer for post. you know, they were just having giant trucks driving past your studio, like right now. <laughs> there is, there is so many, so many things to celebrate. I think about all of the, um, all of the things that we do as as regional women, as rural women. So, absolutely. Now, I am going to ask you some hard hitting questions today. <laughs> okay, uh, sure, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, but to all those that are joining us, uh, there is a chat box. Please feel free to um, pop some questions in there if you like, because we will do a Q and A at the end. And um, I suppose you did provide that beautiful segue uh, for me, Laura, just before in saying, you know, you've spent a lot of time. So you grew up in Scone, which is country New South Wales, but you spent a lot of time, um, you know, in Melbourne and Sydney. 
you've now come back home. Tell me, what do you love about living in rural Australia? Oh, it's my community. They're just my people. (laughs) (laughs) And I suppose some people wouldn't understand that, would they? But when you come from the country, um, I think you have something that just a little bit special about yourself. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think there's almost, um, there's a way that you communicate or the way that you engage or hold a conversation. And, you know, there's, there's just that, that connection that we feel as people with the other people that we, you know, interact with or meet with. And I think that, you know, sometimes I've found myself in Sydney or, you know, through school, like in Melbourne, and people, you know, will say, you're not from here, are you? Like, where are you from? And it is, it's, it's a, it's a bush thing. So Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I think we've all heard that if we've lived in the city for sure. Uh, Well, (laughs) why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your business journey? How did you end up launching Philly? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess for me, um, Philly, so I have been in business officially for just over two years now. Um, So Philly started as a bit of a passion project in my corporate career, um, wasn't really loving my job, was sort of looking outside of, you know, my business to try and create something that, you know, excited me. And um, I always have had this passion for horse racing and millinery and, you know, basically anything fun and pretty and bright that goes in the head. Um, <laughs> so I, I sort of started playing around a couple of years ago as a bit of a side hustle, making uh, racing pieces and When um, I sort of put that down uh, to focus on my corporate career, I came to, I guess, a bit of a junction in my life and at the end of my 20s and sort of sat there and said, okay, I'm not so excited about what I'm doing in work anymore. So I just, I left my corporate job and I went and became a nanny. Um, I took 12 months of basically earning, you know, like next to nothing as one does when one's a nanny coming from like previously being in corporate but you know that's the thing it's like I was reprioritizing what mattered and what meant something to me and you know doing doing something so so creating something and and whatever I chose to do from a work side needed for me to be something that really resonated with my values and something that I could get really excited about every day and something that could provide that sense and that feeling of connection with other people. So, you know, immediately I just sort of thought, okay, well, I have this amazing idea with the hat uh, component of um, my business, so Philly. So I wanted to expand into, you know, felt hats and expand that idea and just really purely from creating just really beautiful things that go on your head. I just came to to realize that this was actually going to be my my full time my full time thing, and and Philly was going to be a permanent permanent vocation. So, sort of how it started, Amazing. I guess. Yeah, oh. and I mean, we can see those wall of hats behind you, and they're divine. I think the hard thing is, I actually can't pick a favorite. I think that's what <laughs> makes it what it's incredibly great for yourself that you you can make such amazing products but for me I'm like there's not a standout they're all amazing I couldn't choose I have a trick though there is a trick and actually so Kimberly for you um what I would recommend and for anyone else listening who might be in the same position go with the first one that catches your eye the first hat that catches your eye 
the first one to work if you you know are looking through the website and you're like oh my gosh that that hat and it could be pink it could be blue it could be beige whatever it is like you need to say okay scrap the is it practical because as a hat like it already from a functional perspective is going to be practical and they're designed and made to give you good coverage from the sun they're durable that's why they're felt or made from you know beautiful long-lasting you know panama um but you just have to go with what makes your heart sing so don't think too hard it's the blue (laughs) that's what yeah um no the one above it's the one yeah yeah yes and I'm always like oh it's color should I go for neutral but it's just delicious I love it I love color in arms in arms reach for you and for me yes (laughs) yeah Um, now you do have a bit of a personal story behind the reason, um, why you started your business as well. And I mean, that storytelling really does come through. So do you want to tell me about the personal connection that you have with hats? Absolutely. Well, so for me, um, you know, I had just launched my business in September, 2019. Um, and yeah, I think I'd been in business for maybe three months and I'd returned home for Christmas and I was sitting there watching John Wayne movies because he'd got the box. My dad had got the box set um, for Christmas. So dad and I were sitting there watching them and, um, you know, we we're all sort of drifting in and out on the day, just taking, you know, a bit of a look and an idea. And I sort of stopped and, you know, got talking with dad about these ridiculous hats that everyone was wearing. And like the more you sort of sat there and the more you acknowledged these hats that um, that each character was wearing, you realised exactly how much they told the story of that character. Like you could look at a hat and say, okay, I, you know, I already have this like preconceived idea of like what character this plays, like look at the journey that they go on, like it tells a story. And for me, like that storytelling piece in itself is something that really resonated with me. And I was sort of sitting there chatting to dad and I was like, dad, you know, these are the kind of hats that I want to make. Like I want to, I want to create something that people can see and connect with, but that tells a story, but, you know, not only tells just any story, their own story, maybe the story of loved ones from the past, you know, they might do like a branding detail of, um, you know, a loved one's initial, or it might be something that they then hand down in generations to come. But I think that, yeah, I think that one of the wonderful things about a story um, about hats is that they do tell a story and they and they start yeah. conversations as well. So they start new stories for people too. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I, I love that whole story behind it. And I know that you weave it in beautifully with um, any content that you produce, whether it's digital, um, print, um, you know, photos, like you are always thinking about that, which is um, absolutely beautiful. Now, you started your business out at the uh, infamous Bondi Markets where every good business starts. I mean, we've had Samantha Wheels on the front cover. She's spoken about, you know, I suppose just that big opportunity that she got there. Tell me about Mm. your experience um, at Bondi. Okay. Yes. I have, I have so much praise for my market days. And whilst they were cut short, um, I only actually managed to spend six months at the markets because obviously then COVID hit and the world ended. Mm. Um, but, um, but markets for me was such an exciting journey. And I'm really excited that you mentioned Samantha Wills here because I will say like, I've listened to quite a number of her podcasts like I've signed up into her subscriptions before like there is a story there that I connect with the same with similar brands like Sass and Bide or Zimmerman 
all starting at either Bondi Market or Paddington Market. So I used to sit there and I'd be like, okay, it's market day. You know, yes, I, you know, different to Samantha who would have been sitting there at 3 a.m. waiting for her stall site. I was I was up until 3 a.m. like making every single hat absolutely perfect. But what what I loved about Bondi Market is that it's basically like a um, I guess a, a customer profile on steroids. So yeah, you get yep. to meet every kind of person at a high level on their like Sunday morning, which is a fashion market at Bondi or a Saturday if it's at Paddington. And you just get to just to get in there and like set up your stall. And if people, if you catch their eye, you know, you've got like, you've got 10 seconds to engage them. And if you can hold them there and if they're excited about what you're doing, they'll stay. And in that opportunity, that's the make or break. So I just, I can't, I can't recommend it even, I can't recommend it more, but I will, I will say that the blue hat was hands down always my, um, my, my absolute like must have. I would really only ever have an amazing day at the market if I had my blue hat. <laughs> Lucky token. <laughs> yeah. So tell me then, what is an amazing day at the market when you sell to someone? And I sort of, I know this story, so I'm sort of leading you into it, but, and yeah. who would that person be? Okay, well, so, I mean, I think I got led almost into business with like a false sense of reality or, but in in many cases as well, people talk about like resonating energies and attracting your tribe and whatever you want to call it. I mean, I think think that you can pretty much apply it to the start of my story. Um, So for Philly, my very first day at Bondi Market, about 20 minutes in, this beautiful woman, Clementine McVeigh, came strolling up to my market stall and we had mutual chats about our love for Anine Bing. I was in my jacket. She was in her shirt. Like, we had a moment. Anyway, so she's chatting and she's telling me all about how her husband is, like, hat mad. And so she sent him down later. I'm like, you kind of look like someone. I don't know who. Anyway, so he purchased this hat and it soon then became his, like, special hat. You know the hat that, like, you wear on birthdays, Christmases and like special occasions and moments. So this person wasn't just any person. It was Sydney Swans veteran AFL football player, Jared McVeigh. So for me, I was just like, okay, male audience, tick. Um, you know, exciting stories to tell, tick. Yes. Okay, this is tying in perfectly with my with my branding and like the running concept in my head. But it was then backed up by my second week at um, Paddington Market uh, and I had been up so similar to Samantha Wills with her 3 a.m. You know, I had, I think, got to bed at maybe like 4 a.m. trying to make everything perfect. Nothing is ever perfect. If you're ever like paused on an idea, don't ever hold back. Just do it. Even if it's like if you can explain the concept to people, they'll understand it and they'll run with it when you're starting in business. That was sort of what um, really helped me at 20 past 10 on a Saturday morning when Delta Goodrum walked up to my Paddington market stall so (laughs) oh my gosh Um, yeah it was really exciting because um because Delta then became my second hat sale for my ready to wear but then also my first customer with a custom made hat so at the at the time I was set up yeah it was so exciting I was standing there you know when you know someone you know that is standing in front of you is obviously famous and you know used to like people gawking at them and you're standing there like Serious face, poker face, be yep. real, <laughs> be relatable. 
nothing relatable about me when I'm nervous, but, um, no, <laughs> no, definitely didn't. But, um, but yeah, so she was sort of standing there with her boyfriend and they conveniently had the same sized hat. So um, earlier this year, the cover of the Woman's Day, there's Delta and her boyfriend walking down the street and her boyfriend is in her hat. I'm like, great. This is, this is hats, unisex hats. I love it. Anyway, so they had purchased the ready-to-wear, but behind me, and this is where the concept, as long as you can talk about the concept, it's sort of the idea will build itself. I had all of these blank hats shaped into hats, and, like, I'd run out of time. I didn't even have the sweatband stitched into the lining of the hat. Like, it wasn't even connected. I had, like, a pile of fabric on the side of the table. You basically just had to, like, rummage through and she's like, what's going on here? Like, tell me about this. Like, what is this? And so I explained to her the concept of this custom hat, you know, pick your felt, pick your base, pick your size, go to town with anything on the table and I'll make it for you. So that's, that's where the custom hat started. The that's market, amazing. Yeah, the market, market it has so much to answer for. It's, it's incredible. Um, now you've gone on to do custom hat making and hat parties for so many other amazing people that, you know, we all know we're all best friends with. Um, yeah. But you're, of course, we're Aussies. All Aussies. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me about the Hemsworths. I mean, you know, that has got oh, to be Elsa. another pinch me moment for you. Elsa, I just, I mean, I think, I think that that was probably one of, one of the most overwhelming and exciting oh. moments ever. Um, so Elsa and her family, so Chris and, you know, everyone were, uh, so they were in Scone. Um, I think this is maybe October. Yeah. End of October last year. Um, so we're in Scone for um, Wild Ark, which is a conservation um, program. They were doing the reintegration of the Tasmanian devils back onto mainland Australia. So that was here in the Barrington Tops in our region. And so I knew that they were in town and it was just, you know, a complete shot in the dark, but I'd I'd sent Elsa a message on Instagram and I was like, oh, hey, because, oh, that's right, because I saw Elsa start following me on Instagram that night. That's right. It was like 11 o'clock at night and Elsa popped up in my like notifications. Elsa Pataki official is following you on Instagram. I'm like, mind blown. So I sent Elsa a message uh, inviting her to come to my studio, which at the time was the front bedroom in my house. <laughs> we all start somewhere. <laughs> I am I made it I swear in this like message I must have sound made it sound like way fancier than what it was but I was like please come to my studio and I'll make you a custom hat and so midday the following day there's like this wall of women there's Elsa you know her sister-in-law friends you know mutual friend from the area just like walking in this like charging like a thousand miles an hour with excitement like down my driveway which PS wasn't even mown like all the grass is like overgrown it was one of those like oh, God, please don't look at the grass <laughs> kind <Yep>. of moments. <laughs> Concentrating on things that don't matter, typical. But, um, yeah, and so in the space of 20 minutes, the girls all, like, came into my house, like, whizzed around the front room, tried on every single hat in there. Each one walked out in their very own hat, um, in their size, in their style, and just like that, they were gone. <laughs> wow. It'll just be like, did this really happen? <laughs> Yeah, but in this sort of, in this moment, and, and this is where if you pitch a concept and you really believe in it and you can communicate the idea, whether it's a thing or not, 
um, you know, if it's exciting and it's relatable, people will connect with it. And so for me, this was the this was the hat party concept. So at the time of when the girls were there, I said, you know, if you'd ever love me to come up to Byron, I would love to be able to, you know, do a hat party for you. And they all kind of looked at me and went, a what? So, <laughs> so this hat party concept I had launched um, in an art gallery in Double Bay, the Claire Gallery, in March um, earlier that year the week coincidentally that the world ended um so that was yeah that was in March and then I think I delivered another hat party to maybe half a dozen girls at home in between like the sort of lockdown thing when we were all navigating it and um and then here I am sitting here pitching this idea to to Elsa to you know Byron Bay like beloved celeb you know Elsa and saying just you know let me come to your house and I'll make your party if you want and sure enough it's an idea that stuck we did we've we've done two now and it's just it's been such an exciting ride that's great how do you leverage this type of exposure like um what sort of impact does it have on your business is it immediate um is it long term like what does it all look like I think because for me I um I, I started Philly to be very much a community of people. So a community of like-minded people, a community of people with a mutual appreciation for hats, you know, a business and a brand that people connect can connect with and therefore connect with each other as well. So for me, it's really important um, to ensure that whoever's engaging with Philly from a media presence, um, I love when that opportunity is initiated first by them so for me it's like you know engaging in the brand and for Elsa like sharing the story through her Instagram stories like footage of the hat party you know that we had done um Delta her PA Joe had sent me images to be able to use that she'd been sharing through her socials like of her hat it's that it's that engagement that two-way street that mutual Mm -hmm. connection so for me it's just a case of asking for that support I think that it's where that that sort of the platform from a social media side when you have that genuine connection and interaction from a brand and a celebrity really helps so it's that that genuine and authentic connection that I think that we're all looking for in our daily lives and if you can find a way to do that through social media whether it be in a media content or um, you know community of people whether you're in the bush or at the beach or in the city, people who are wearing their hats every day, or if you are someone exciting like Elsa or Delta, to be able to have that content reshare and build that community vibe, I think that's where we all get excited about being a part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we're speaking about community and you've just moved back to your home community. Um, Can you tell me about some advantages of moving back home to Scone compared to, you know, living in Sydney and and Melbourne? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I think for me, I feel like I have, from an Australian perspective, I have an advantage, you know, to, to many regional businesses because, you know, there's a part of my story that I connect with every time I design a hat and then someone from Melbourne or from Sydney then, you know, is able to purchase a style. Like everything, I feel like every hat I make is designed with a person or a particular character or type in mind. But the other brilliant thing is, is that there are so many similarities now. I feel like regional and city is on such level playing field that I can have people purchasing from Sydney and then someone else from 
like out the back of Burke. Um, there's a hat today going to Catherine in the Northern Territory. And yeah, and I think that, you know, that's really exciting. But now being back in Scone, I feel like when I moved here, I got to really sort of hit my sweet spot. So, you know, I suddenly, like when you look at the cost of living in the city when the pandemic hit, it just wasn't an option. So, you know, I was having to look at how I was designing, you know, how I was creating, how I was marketing and whether or not that was something that was basically going to be able to cover my my costs of living. So it wasn't and there were a number of other competing issues with, you know, having an unwell dad um and then having my stepmom and my um three brothers here as well so I have four I have one in Melbourne Tim and then I have another three brothers here in Scone so it's the idea of when the pandemic hit being able to be connected with my family um reducing my living costs and for me I've always felt really connected to the bush um you know it's always where I guess I felt like I had that little bit of sparkle whenever I was here um so the like the feeling when I moved back here was that I feel like I kind of really like I found my own I felt like I had the time to really explore my creativity from a business side but I got to really connect with what I had identified when I was nannying you know with what was important to me with you know my family I got to spend that time with my family and I think that when you sort of have that like no one ever has that perfect balance, but when you can be sitting in what you'd probably, for me, call my most authentic self, I think that that is what living regionally really allowed for me to do. It allowed me the time to connect and the time to create and the time just to really connect with a community as well. So, yeah. And I know that you draw on the landscape around you as well for inspiration, um, you know, and I mean, there is no better place than, than regional Australia. So um, we're yeah. just so lucky. What I would love to know is what you've brought from corporate. So I'm a big believer of transferable skills. There's got to be something that you can take from every job and apply it to the next or at least leave a job and go, no, that wasn't a waste of time. Look what I've learned. What have you been able to take from corporate and integrate into your to your business? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so many things. I think um I think it's just always it's it's always for me everything's always been a stepping stone like you know from a career and a knowledge perspective you always build on your previous experience with the next. You know, you try and take the best out of every opportunity and experience whether it's a good one or a bad one and you know whilst for me like when I chose to leave corporate it's because I was feeling burnt out there were so many there were so many great skills that I had acquired so I was working in sales um, my expertise was in lean manufacturing um, so there's a lot of lean processes that I've implemented directly into the production side of my business some of which are still constantly being tweaked but that's okay because that's the whole concept like constant re-evaluation um, and I think even because what I was actually selling and, and working with was, you know, um, workplace training and, and virtual education, um, you know, you're looking at constantly like different platforms that can, you can communicate and different platforms that you can engage and how you can do that in an educational perspective too. So, you know, that has allowed me to really look at different ways that I can work within my product range which essentially most people would see as being a hat but for me you know it now it's become so much more than that it's really about how I can deliver an experience 
So that's where, similar to the sort of platform that you and I are connected today, um, I do virtual custom hats. I do virtual hat parties as well as that um, face-to-face, you know, interaction too. So I think that a lot of the delivery methods of, um, you know, things in my previous career have now been able to be applied you know, into my business. So, yeah, it's really exciting. Beautiful. The power of the internet, it's wonderful. Is it just yourself, Laura, making all these beautiful hats or do you have a team around you? And if so, how did you build that team? Um, Well, this is like my baby and they say it takes a village, so it's definitely not just me. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely not just me. Um, so I have this phenomenal team of, um, makers. So I have three makers and a customer service, um, communications person, as well as a, um, fabulous contractor who looks after all of my social media marketing, like strategy as well, which is great. So my makers, um, I have Nash who, um, comes to work every day with her daughter as well. So we have shop kid, um, who runs around, who's great fun, um, I've got Mia, who has just uh, relocated for the job for the summer, actually, which is exciting before she goes and does her grad job next year as uh, a nurse. And we've got Geordie, who has, uh, she's just starting year 12, actually. So this is her after school job. And she comes in and makes hat pins and feather bunches all day long. How awesome. How awesome. I know. And then Gab, who has fast become my, like, just my right hand man because or woman sorry because she yeah she just helps with just the comms the communication the keeping on top of every single different task is not possible without you know delegating the things that are not your strengths and so I've just really been fortunate where a number of people have found me and I found them and we've connected mm-hmm. and they've yeah just made the role of the job their own and um yeah we just work together as a team. And you're supporting employment opportunities for your hometown as well. Like the fact yeah. that you have a year 12 student being able to come in and experience this and, and have you as a role model, Laura, like that is incredible. And um, I mean, I'd love to check in with Thank her, you. you know, a couple of years down the track and, you know, and see where she goes because she has someone that's really confident, um, you know, obviously very talented and yeah, can model off that. So what an incredible opportunity for it. It's, well, this has been the amazing thing through the pandemic as well because, um, you know, I think that for many 16-year-olds who work in, like, hospitality-related jobs or retail jobs, um, you know, their, their work ceased. Their work stopped. Like, there was no way to work. And so for us, um, I was able to send Geordie home with the feather box. Um, you know, I was able to send Nat home with the sewing machine and she would come in each morning and pick up work and take it home and she'd be homeschooling her six-year-old on one yeah. side of the dining table and like making stitching and sweatbands on the other. So, you know, I think that like one of the incredible things about bush-based businesses really being able to be platformed in a way where they're equal to that of city-based businesses is that, you know, we already know what it's like to have to adapt. I mean, we've got drought, we've got, you know, plagues, we've had bushfires, now we've got, you know, the pandemic. We already know what it's like to have to be agile as businesses. And so I think that, you know, it's been it's been really amazing working with this incredible team of people who just, they've just been so supportive and so helpful and so enthusiastic and just worked with it. So Amazing. Yeah. 
We have a couple of questions and someone has asked one of my questions so they can almost have my job, I think. Uh, we have Kate <laughs> from the Paint Shed who has asked, Laura, what do you think your superpower in business is? I think for me my superpower is telling people's stories. Um, I think it's connecting. I think it's connecting with people and having a conversation about, you know, what is important to them and, you know, what their story is like and then developing that into a custom hat. So, you know, really taking um, the colours uh, that inspire them or what their day-to-day life looks like and, you know, changing a shape of a hat to be able to work with that you know how wide do you want your brim you know what colors do you want to work with and I mean I say custom hat but really the collection of ready-to-wear hats is expanding so rapidly at the moment that it's like we'll probably end up at the point where you really just have to like do a minor tweak on like a ready-to-wear one and we'll probably get there but but I think that that's the thing it's creating something that people can connect with that tells a story and and if it's so be it is a part of their story as well then yeah I think it's that storytelling piece I think that's the perfect answer for Kate as well because I know that she's a creative she's a painter um, and I think Often we think of storytelling as words, um, whereas, you know, what you're talking about is, yeah, using fabrics, using um, colours and all that to create a story as well. So, you know, those visual elements, um, it's just, yeah. yeah, really beautiful. It's not something I can do. That's definitely not my superpower. I've got the the word version, I think, of that. You're the, connect, <laughs> you're the connector, the connector of all of that. Yes, yeah. I have heard, yes. I try. <laughs> I try. <laughs> um, well, I do have another question that someone's popped through. Um, Lyndall has asked, and I love this one too, because I was thinking about this one. What does your normal work day look like? Coffee. <laughs> no, really, Always. I think everybody kind of has a giggle whenever I get in here and they're like, okay, so what are we going to do today? I'm like, we're going to go and get coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly I think I think that sometimes like you know when you just sort of start with yeah just like a coffee and a debrief and like a chat there's like it's just it becomes so much more relaxed and like okay what are we going to do today you know so so being able to connect and relax and then you know or like share a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or something um I think that that's yeah that's a great way that our day starts and when um when it comes to like the different ways that obviously people engage in the business throughout a day you know um nat would have school pickups so she would be here in the morning um and throughout the early afternoon mia would be here throughout the entire day geordie would come in after school we've got gab and um you know all of our social team all either by virtual chat or by phone or in store so um in that I might have custom hat appointments booked. Um, I could have Zoom meetings, um, could be madly running and doing a post run or like maybe I might have been up until 2 a.m. On, a, on the phone to a supplier in New York. So maybe I'm the one that's late. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I think it's just, it, it honestly is a constant just flow of um, just people and energy Um you know, looking at the creation, the creating process, you know, what stage is a hat at, having people knowing, you know, what 
um, different sort of steps in the production process is required and having everyone sort of skilled in their own like special sort of areas. So then it's like you all know that you can work as a team and everyone's needed so you can all jump in and pitch in and bounce off each other at, like throughout the production process in a day. So there's silks flying everywhere. There's materials on the floor. <laughs> there's like beads and pins going in every direction. So I don't yeah. think that, I mean, to us it's normal, but. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I totally agree with starting your day um, like that, uh, especially in a, a team environment. Uh, I know looking back on the corporate jobs, the ones that did start like that, and it was usually like a, a Monday or a Friday, one of those um, whip meetings, work in progress meetings, um, and just yeah. to have the the you know, the coffees and sitting around the table. And um, yeah, it was a much better start to the day. Um, it needed to be done more often. Now, you're obviously on our front cover. And of course, I am so, so grateful for this. So very grateful um, to have you on there and everything that went behind that. Uh, you know, we're producing a print magazine in a global pandemic. Any other day it's hard, but throw in COVID and it is so, mm. so tricky. Um, and what I found just personally was just the lockdowns. Like I'm used to dealing with it in Vic. Uh, we've been able to, you know, work around that. Um, you know, and usually New South Wales have, have been okay. So we've sort of, you know, focused there. But for this issue, this was pretty special, I think. Um, because we were both in lockdown uh, and yeah. we were still able to make this happen thanks to Steph Hunter, your incredible photographer. Mm. Um, yes. Tell me about what it's like to be on a front cover of a magazine, like, you know, or the experience of that or what it means to you. Wow. It was honestly, it is such an incredible moment to just to see yourself in print, but on the cover of a magazine, let alone embossed in, you know, this beautiful bronze logo above you as well with just this regal sort of feel like it was just, it is just such an incredible, incredibly humbling um, experience and like quite overwhelming even just when I sort of, you know, took in the cover but then opened up the magazine, you know, saw this beautiful profile photo of myself. But for me, um, you know, the words and the story to be able to read that and see, you know, you can, your story when you communicate and when you connect with different people, I just, I love so much how, you know, your story is perceived and and written, you know, and each time with with this magical little thing that's been brought out in a different way or in a different light. So Alice Moffat, your author, um, who did who did the interview and the article has just absolutely blown me away. But to be able to then turn the page and see that double page spread of the imagery, like, oh, oh my God, it's just, it's just yeah. phenomenal. Like, so, so Steph, a little bit there. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> I will have to thank our art director, uh, Louise Davis, who this is her. But I just give her the photos and I say, "Do what yeah. you need to do with it," and makes it as amazing as it is. So yeah, even I was blown away. She always surprises me with with how that story's told. Um, as you said, we've got Alice that will tell it a different way than I will. So even though we've had this chat. Laura I know that the story in here is still mm. same but different as you said there's yeah. those little um minute sort of details that are different and then you've there got was, the photographers and yeah 
there was something there was something really special about the photo shoot itself I think as well though that you know has really been captured from the way that it's been presented with the layout and the design through to you know how it's printed and how it was shot and because you know the like in the middle of a pandemic you know Steph um, Stephanie Hunter photography she's just so incredible but also there's not a lot of people that will go and jump through the loops just to be able to get you know five and a half hours like from home and then drive back in the same day because you're not allowed to like stay overnight in a region let alone apply for all of the different um, you know, things that you need to to get there. But so for us, you know, the um, my beautiful dress as well is Series Life from M Hawkins. So M has been a longtime lover and supporter of the Philly brand and an eye of her on her journey. And um, and so she sent up this beautiful dress. And so I just, I felt so comfortable and so confident. And Steph and I have shot before and when you're working with a photographer who just knows your angles like she oh my god Steph could Steph could make someone standing in a paper bag look good like she yeah it helped that I just I like I was really I felt really comfortable with her I felt really in the moment and excited about the fact that the shoot could happen the wardrobe was just a knockout probably helped that I had a you know, cracking hat on too, but <laughs> absolutely. You've got my favorite hat on. I'm looking at it now and I'm like, yeah. that is actually the hat that I like. So how funny is that? I'm like, yeah. that's why I keep getting yeah. caught to it. Yeah. There you so go. Fun. We had plan A, which actually worked. Plan A worked, but um we also had plan B, plan C. Um, you know, and, and that's what you need to do sometimes is have those in your pocket, communicate. I mean that's what we were doing as well, just always checking in. How's it going? What's restrictions looking like? You know, it's we had just, the concept. Yeah. I still we stick did. by it. If you have the concept and you know how to communicate it, if yeah. it's possible, like it'll happen. So, yeah. That. I've Go got another some. question yeah. from one of our wonderful attendees is Cecilia. She's asked, oh, she first of all says, such an insightful session, Laura. So well done. Um, can you talk you. about how you found the transition from working for others to working for yourself? Um, this is a really good question. So for me, um, strengths and weaknesses, um, I've always worked in a remote sales role. Yeah. So, so that has probably helped in a sense in terms of needing to self-motivate. You know, you are responsible for your own KPIs. <laughs> There's no one, you know, clocking you on at nine and clocking you off at five. So yeah. so the transition hasn't been that jolting for you as such then? Um, well, no, yes and no. Um, I think that I think that from a structure of a day and a motivation side, I think that that um, that background of working in a in a satellite capacity has has really helped. Um, but I think um, I think as well when it comes to um, like what how you prioritize tasks in a day, and you know we as business owners we wear many hats. Um, as small business owners, we wear a lot of them. Uh, I think that you just have to not stress necessarily about the task list, that like phenomenal, almighty, like constantly growing list of things that's like staring you in the face at 2am when you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, oh God, there's so much to do. 
honestly, it's just about prioritizing what is the most important at the time. Like if, if the walls are on fire, put out the walls. Um, if the chair's on fire, but it's only like moderately smoldering, don't worry about the chair. The chair can stay there until it's like ablaze. Um, does that, does that maybe make sense? It's like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. My house is on I fire. Th- <laughs> <laughs> Calling help. Delegate. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's the thing. So for me, I found, um, I just sometimes want to handball decisions. You know, I have such decision fatigue um, some days, especially when you're in the mag. I would just love to handball to another CEO and say, hey, can you deal with this? Um, Yeah, I just want to do the creative stuff today. I just want to do the fun stuff. (laughs) What I I probably even like on that sort of communication, you know, sort of piece as well, the like it's sort of like it's a chicken and the egg it's a chicken and an egg scenario I think when you've got a like a small business that you you know if you're like me and you're bootstrapping it so like I didn't start really with funding or with like this giant corporate bank account savings account like I burnt through that when I was nannying let's face it um so you know you for me it's like every hat then paid for the next hat so you know, you you look to the growth of your business to indicate like the growth levels as certain trigger points to then take next operational steps in your business. So for me, it's like as my business grew, as like the publicity grew, as different connections and networks expanded, um, I took that as an opportunity to then put operational like steps in place in the business. So it's like engage you know, potential contractors, um, talk to people who would be interested in staffing opportunities. And I think for me, and I haven't mentioned it yet, but, you know, I think that this is a really big one for the Buy From The Bush Network. Um, the platform has been, like, just phenomenal for me to connect with like-minded individuals um, and just to really look at from a from a business model side and from a from a, I guess, a networking side as well, like there's so many different ways that you can reach out and connect to other people in a like-minded position or a similar position, you know, people that you might see something like they're growing at a similar pace, um, suppliers, contractors, like there's a whole network of people there that you otherwise would have previously before its inception and before we really got to the point now where we're in where I think that regional rural and city are kind of on more of a level playing field Uh, we used to have to go to the city to get all of that and we don't now so I think that it's really a case of like you know when it comes to like how you sort of run your business and how you work you know within your business it's looking at people within your network that can help or guide Mm -hmm. and if you don't have that network looking for existing networks that you could then join and be a part of and so for me that was really that was the buy from the bush network. So I, I definitely like I'm very, very grateful for a lot of my support people that have come from that. So wow. If I didn't have to look and concentrate, Laura, I would have just been like this the whole time. Yep, yep, <laughs> writing down like step, step, step. Okay. Uh, we're recording it. We're recording. Yeah, we're recording. This, right? I can listen yeah, to this later. Yeah. Okay, cool. Really okay, cool. Yeah. Now I've only got 10 minutes. Um, so I've actually only got a couple of questions. So if anyone has any others, again, this is your opportunity to ask Laura personally. Of course, you could always send a DM. But I want to know what's Another next. Stay hydrated. But, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've got my beautiful Ashley Morales um, 
ceramic oh. mug, which she hand makes. She's been in Oak. They're beautiful. Her drops sell out in like 30 minutes. It's ridiculous. Um, I keep missing out. So sidetrack there. What's next for Philly? I mean, you've got Christmas coming up. Um, you know, do you have plans for that or, or is there something big that you are just going to release next year? Oh, my God, so much, so much. It's so exciting. There's just so many exciting things happen, um, happening. Um, this won't be my only magazine cover this year. <gasps> oh, my gosh, that is so exciting. That's all I can, that's all <laughs> I can say. That's all I can say. Oh, my gosh. Um, see, you just, it's open the floodgates. You do one and then before you know it, but it everyone wants you on their front cover. <laughs> It won't be me per se. It will be it will be one of my hats, and yes, it will be very exciting. So stay tuned. Um, but the the I guess coming into the Christmas season, oh, some of the big things. So virtual hat parties are coming up. Um, so corporate gifting uh, is a big thing for an existing client. Google, as you do, uh, yeah. So one of the Google managers also in October last year reached out and said, hey, you know, my wife found your business through Buy From The Bush. Um, you know, I can see that you do custom hat parties, but could you do them virtually? So in this like email and then phone call interaction with this manager, um, who's literally wife had just like put me forward as, oh, what about this, honey? Like the, the virtual custom hat party, the virtual hat party was made. So we delivered 40 um, participants, like one-on-one, not one-on-one, sorry, group um, group virtual hat parties. We had six people tuned in, all assembling their custom-made hat in a two-and-a-half-hour guided workshop. And then this year, I think we've got about 120 penciled in. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. There you go, so, Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of my American customers who met me at Bondi Markets about three weeks after I started eloped in the Christmas of 2019 and wore her Philly hat in pumpkin. It was in orange. It was fantastic. Um, And then for her actual wedding, she then made a peach version of um, a hat for her actual wedding. So she's worn Philly in both of her weddings now. And, um, and she works for Google and she's like, no, why don't they offer this internationally? So, you know, it's, it's our beautiful little thing that we can do here in Australia. So, oh, it's amazing. And I look, I love that Google looks to businesses like yours as well. You know, they're not going to the big, you know, corporates and nationals. I mean, they're yeah. coming back into regional, into rural, and yeah, supporting grassroots, which is freaking amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, that was that was it. They wanted to support, and the same with Elsa when she was in the area. She reached out yeah. because she wanted to support a small regional local business. And mm-hmm. you know, people in positions like that, they know the weight and the gravity that their support comes from, and all you really have to do is ask for it. So, you know, when you're in a position to ask for a survey, ask for a share, ask for anything like that. Most people, like if they're connecting with what you're doing, they will help. Like, especially here in Australia, like this is what we're good at. We're, we're good at connecting and communicating. And the Kevin Bacon, you know, scenario is, is, so, is so front of mind for Australians. They are, I think we are the world's biggest cheerleaders. We've all got our pom-poms out for each other, really. So Absolutely. We sure do. Well, to wrap us up for this amazing Rural Women's Day online event, which I've 
really, really enjoyed. The hour has just flown. I can't believe it. Um, last question. What would you like to say to all the women who admire your journey? <gasps> Don't wait until it's perfect. If you've got something that you're doing yourself, just even if it's just purely a conversation, just get the conversation started. It is amazing how many people, you know, will connect with a good idea and and they will they will back you. They'll jump on, they'll support you. And, you know, sometimes it might take a little bit longer. Nothing happens straight away. Sometimes things happen faster than others. But as long as, you know, you've got confidence in what you're doing, you've done your research, really, you know, looked at the sustainable the sustainability of your business idea. Do a business plan. There's there's a thing called a lean canvas that you can just Google and bring it up and just wrap your head around this lean canvas. Um, so that's my idea for anyone for that's business related. Um, but if anyone's inspired and excited by the Philly journey, I just I encourage you to keep watching and just get excited. And you know, this is very much a community that we're building within the Philly the Philly world. And so when we can travel, come and visit, and yeah, we're we're always here for a chat. Oh my gosh, brilliant answer as always. We have a couple of questions, if that's okay, from the audience, if I can keep Amazing. you for a couple more minutes. Uh, Marita oh, would like to ask, when looking for opportunities in business, it can be a bit hit and miss. So what are your strategies for learning from failure or let's just call them missteps? Um, okay, learning from failure. I mean, if it doesn't work, just think of all of the different ways that you can, you know, do something. Like life is a constant reevaluation. Think of, think of every, I don't know, every bad breakup and apply that to a business concept <laughs> too. I think it's really similar. It's like look at look at the different things that work and that didn't work and try and try and try again. But um, I think that from a from a business planning side, I think that that's where if you're constantly looking to see whether or not a business is going to be scalable and sustainable and maybe not even like, like it doesn't have to be bigger than Ben-Hur, it just has to be sustainable. If it's something that is going to be able to pay you enough to cover your like basic living costs and um, if it's going to be something that is going to be something that you can be happy to get up and go to every day, for me, those are my, you know, two big things. And then if you can look at how it contributes in a positive way to community, to your community, and then, you know, to yourself, um, I think that as long as you've got those three, you'll constantly be guided back. Like know your values, know your personal values, align them with your business. And I think you'll find that one way or another, like if your idea is a sustainable one, it, 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 will, it will work. Like you'll find a way to make it work and surround yourself with, the people in your network or like I said from the buy from the bush community you know with like-minded people you know draw on the skills of others and, and bring them in so yeah brilliant answer I love it um so just on that to draw a bit more on that um if there was something that you were approaching and you got a no do you keep going back or do you come back to the drawing board and going okay how can is how can I rework that is that sort of what you would do Yes, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I if it's a no, I'm not much of a no person. 
Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, unless they've blocked your number or like told you, please stop contacting me. That's yeah, but it, <laughs> it's it's constantly like if it's it's a no for me, it's always like it's never a no, it's a not right now. Um, yeah, it's about it's about constantly looking at why something is not working and reassessing and reevaluating but also going back to those values um no's are sometimes a blessing in disguise sometimes things aren't going to happen or don't happen for a reason and it could be because they might see that there is a misalignment in values or you know motivators or something there so always go back to those core values what motivates you what motivates your business what's important to you and sit there and say okay how can I apply that how can I apply that to my own? Is this working? Is this worth going after? And if it is, then just keep going. Like a dog, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is it your vision, Laura, to see everyone wearing a Philly hat? So even if they may have another hat in their wardrobe, another brand, is it your vision to see everyone wearing a Philly? Do you know what? Whilst I've just said that I'm not a no person, I'm not going to say yes. I'm going to say, I'm going to say sort of, because for me, I would love for everyone to have a hat on the walls of every Australian household. So it could be something that could then in future be handed down to future generations. Um, It could be shared between loved ones like Delta and Matt. Here you go. Um, You know, yes, Obviously, anyone loves seeing their product in the wild. I love seeing Philly in the wild. And to imagine every Australian in a Philly hat is just divine. But it may not always be at the same time. It could be something that, you know, is spread out over generations to come. So brilliant. Well, thank you so very much for your time, for sharing your story with us yet again um and just answering all the questions and and creating something that actually has real meaning to it that as you said can be handed down for the generations thank you laura i'm sure we'll speak again and as soon as those borders open my gosh i've promised so many people in new south wales from wagga to byron um scone now you know i'll be making a road trip um and and visit you all in person yes Lovely. Thank you to everyone for joining us. And um, yes, hope to see you online. Come and connect. And uh, I'll see you again soon, Laura. Thank you so much, Kimberly. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Happy see International ya. Rural Women's Day. Now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions, we'd like to celebrate a win can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Oak Magazine AU. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine. <laughs>